Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, it's T. Sparky. Fight for 55 past the hour. Time for another Milwaukee Sports Time Out as we broadcast from the Wendy studio. Have you tried that strawberry frosty? I've already had a couple myself. It's strawberry frosty season, baby. And that means you can get sweet strawberry goodness on those hot summer days when you don't want to leave the house. And those hot summer days are coming, trust me. Go on, treat yourself. Even if it means canceling plans, trust us, it's worth it. Just like a summer fling, this treat is leaving after summer ends. There's no excuse not to treat yourself to this sweet strawberry frosty while they're here. Limited time only at participating Wendy's time now to talk to our guy. He is Tim Dillard for his weekly appearance. Of course, check out Brewers Unfiltered podcast on your Odyssey app featuring Tim Dillard, Valley Sports Wisconsin Brewers analyst, along with Adam McKelvey of Brewers.com and MLB.com, and Sophia Minner of Valley Sports Wisconsin. All three of them do a weekly podcast that you can download. Go and download that one today. Tim, uh, what is on this week's telecast or broadcast, I guess I should say, of Brewers Unfiltered? Yeah, we're just talking about the latest trends and the hottest topics. I, I Actually, <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, we shot it this morning. You know, uh, no guests this week, but just kind of talking about the road trip. And, um, you know, obviously it didn't go the Brewers' way, but there was a lot of good things that happened in it. Uh, and just kind of explain that whole thing. But no, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. We kind of preview the freshmen, the series, with the uh, rookies that are coming up. Um, and just talk a little bit about Brewers baseball. It's just, you know, it's just fun to talk about. No doubt. If you missed last week's Brewers Unfiltered, Willie Adamas, they've had Corbin Burns on this year as well. So if you've missed some of the past ones, still plenty of time for you to go back and listen to those Brewers Unfiltered podcasts that they do. They do a great job. Uh, I, I want to talk about this uh, Brewers offense, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, how much stock do you, Tim Dillard, who's been around the game of baseball for his entire life, put into the metric of batting average? So many people don't care about it. They care more about other numbers uh, in today's game of baseball. How much uh, stock do you put in batting average? I mean, honestly, I love batting average. On, on, like, just I love it. And the reason is because you can add the extra base hits in there, of course, RBIs. But if you're on base, you're on base. Right. And I look at it as a pitcher. I'm facing a guy, and it's like, okay, well, this dude bats 210 and hits, you know, a ton of home runs, or this guy bats, you know, 320 and can't do a lot of damage. If I'm going over a scouting report, I'm like, all right, well, I can't let this guy get up in the big moment and hurt me, but this other guy can hurt me anytime because he's going to put up a good at bat and get on base. So just as a pitcher standpoint and what I look for getting ready, you know, to face a team, 
I want to know who's going to be on base the most. And when it comes to that, it's usually the guy that's willing to hit. And if you look at uh, McNeil and Arise, the guys that, you know, led the National League and American League and average last year and got the batting title, like those guys are tough to face. They just make it a thorn in your side every time they're up. And uh, to me, those are the harder ones. So guys that just hit a bunch of home runs, you just, you just stay away from them. You just don't let them hurt you in the big moment. So I really like batting average, honestly. Okay, good. So I led you down that path on purpose because I also <laughs> like batting average, and I figured you yeah. were an old-school guy like me, so I figured the answer would be yes. <laughs> now that you agree with me that the answer is yes, let me tell you numbers that I'm concerned about. In last night's box score, Yelich, Winker, Adamas, Tellis, Contreras, Brian Anderson, Tarang, Taylor, and Joey Weimer, and yet last night, by the way, for those listening, whenever you're listening, uh, it is uh, the game. Game one of the Brewers and Dodgers uh, at American Family Field. Here are the batting averages. 242, yep. 236, 236, 239, 277, 252, 255, 227, 221. I mean, that, that's pretty much your lineup for the most part every day. There was really none of the regulars off, so that's pretty much your best lineup that you're going to put out there. Uh, and you've got three guys over 250 and only one uh, over 270 in that lineup. If we're going to talk about winning divisions and so forth, I just think those numbers have got to improve here. I mean, you go back to Ted Williams. Ted Williams talked about a good assessment in the first month of the season. You can't always look at batting average. You know, it, if a guy's batting 350 after the first month, it doesn't tell the whole story. And if a guy's batting 210 after the first month, it doesn't tell a whole story. Um, you know, you clearly, if you had the ability – if you're a person in charge, you would say, all right, I want to go get every single hitter in the league that bats 300. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you, maybe you don't hit a bunch of home runs. It's like, who cares? Everybody that walks up there, the, the sheer statistics across the board, if you have every single guy in your lineup batting 300, you'd be like, yeah, this, wow, look at this. We score a ton of runs. But how many 300 hitters can play their positions as well as some of the position players we see that bat 250? Uh, it's a lot of risk-reward and then money involved of how can you even put this team together. Some of the richest teams can't even put this together. So if you're looking at batting average, you, I mean, look at it for a DH. Look at what a DH is doing. He's providing no service in the field. So you have to look at the whole encompassing feature. It's not this guy can shoot three-pointers for days, but he plays zero defense. How many points versus how many points? You know, if he's given up some and he has a chance to drive in some. So I don't know. To me, it's always a circular look at it when you're looking at it that way. But I don't know, for me, there's a lot of passes if guys can do different things. Um, But surely you want everybody to bat 300 in your lineup and you just can't pull it off. But I don't know. I'm not concerned. I mean, these guys are playing some great baseball and, you know, Right now, some guys get get hot and some guys are not. So it's just kind of the way baseball is. What about Willie Adamas? He had been struggling there for a little while and then caught fire in that last uh, series on the West Coast and then continued yesterday uh, with a big three-run homer. Did you see him with any type of change at all that that led to him kind of picking it up over the weekend? Uh, I mean, he's been hot last, what, four-game hitting streak? Yep. Um, let's see. Early on, I think in the road trip, it came to a fruition uh, in uh, Colorado, like just a lot of, just a lot of uncomfortable at bats. Like you could just tell he wasn't, wasn't very comfortable in the box. And then, and then suddenly it was a very more like short, compact swing. Like, let me just put the bat on the ball. And it's like, boom, base hit. So then you're like, oh, well, let me try that next time. Let me just try to do something like, you know, get the ball in the bat. And, you know, that simplicity I think is what is seen because a lot of times hitters go up there and they want to try to make something happen and they can only make what happens, um, what the pitcher will allow. 
So if you're facing a guy that hits, you know, for power, has the, you know, the sluggings up there and you don't want them to do damage, then you just limit them. You just try to prevent them from hitting a home run. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that's it. You win. You know, you get an out or maybe it's just a single and you're okay. So hitters are a lot of times simplicity is the best. And you don't you want a home run in that bat. Okay, we'll do the work earlier in the series, do the work earlier in the game. And I think that's what you're starting to see. A couple of base hits here and there are leading to the big moments where you pitcher makes a mistake. What about the aspect of a hitting coach? I I always say a hitting coach and a pitching coach probably are two different things to a certain degree. In in my time, uh, I've had players say, you know, I'll go to a hitting coach when I think I need help. I remember one guy who was god-awful one summer, uh, and I talked to the hitting coach. He's like, he doesn't want any help, so it's on him. He doesn't want my help. Uh, And it wasn't until he got to the doldrums did he actually finally go and ask for help from the hitting coach. How pivotal do you think that hitting coach is with some of these hitters on this roster? Because in my experience, it doesn't feel like they're as instrumental as fans make them out to be. Well, I mean, if if a team's not doing well, they want to blame who's ever in charge of that particular facet of the game, right? If If the team's just bad overall, it's like, let's go get the manager. If the team's pitching well but not hitting well, let's go after the hitting coach. Like, you just need someone to blame. But um, to me, it's it's you have to be available and be ready. Uh, Just very specifically, just with Chris Hook, as far as the pitching coach, I know he pays attention. Like, I I love that about him. I have firsthand experience about this guy watching the game, watching me pitch, and then watching when I do something different, and then coming in at the right moment and sharing that. That's what these coaches do all the way around. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to pay attention, and they need to step in at the right exact moment. A lot of hitters, you know, maybe they don't want the help. Maybe they're like, all right, I can figure this out, and I'm, I just need time. Pitchers, same way. Hey, just give me a second. I'll figure this out. Um, but it truly comes to fruition when the guy goes, all right, I need to go and do early work. And when they come to that coach, whichever coach it is on whether, whatever side it is, they immediately have a response to that because they've been paying attention and they know how to help. You can try to teach. I mean, anybody that has kids, try to teach your kids something. And, you know, you'll sit there and be like, why don't they listen to me? And all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, when they come to you and ask, and then suddenly you have a response, that's where you get better. That's where everybody gets better. That's where the communication lies. So, um, you know, it's not always like one way streets, but sometimes it's going to have to pay out that way. But you have to have a response, and that's your job as a coach is to make sure you know what to tell that player when the time is right. I love when I tell my kid to do something and my kid ignores me, and then somebody else will tell me the exact same thing. Be like, ah, oh, see, that works. I'm like, man, I've been telling you that for two weeks. Yeah, but, but coach yeah. over here, he told me now, so now I'm listening. Okay, and that sounds good. Exactly. Yeah. Parenting 101, that's it. Yeah, yeah. there is there is no doubt. That's that's kind of what that is all about. Uh, let's talk a little bit about good old Freddie Peralta, who obviously uh, last night, six innings, uh, a run, ERA at uh, 3-3-2 uh, as of this point. What have you made of Peralta so far this year sitting at 4-2? and two? Yeah, he's been good. Uh, maybe four or five quality starts. I think five now leads the team. Uh, just consistency. You know, maybe one bad outing, but at the same time, he's, he's putting in good – um, performances just because his stuff has been really good. His slider's been good. His changes has been good. I, I think if any point that he's had anything that, that has gone wrong is, you know, he has so many pitches to choose from that are really good. It's almost finding the right one at the right time. And when you see walks come into play, it's just because his stuff is moving too much. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, having too good a stuff is a thing. His stuff is sometimes too good. I, 
I look back and watching the game last night, I feel like he threw a couple of sliders that overmatched the umpire. You could tell the hitter. I think there was a walk in there where the batter was like, wait, are you sure? You know, and the catcher's looking and I mean, everybody's wondering, like, that wasn't a strike. I think that happened a couple of times uh, because his stuff was just really good. So I, to me, once you have really good stuff and you start putting it together, uh, that's when you become just great. So he's been laying the foundation. And, again, we're only, what, a month and a half into the season. Um, he's, he's been looking great. And I think it's going to continue. And I think it's only going to get better. You know, it's funny. You, you look at the numbers. And outside of Burns and Peralta, the last starting pitcher to, to be given a win was all the way back in April 22nd when Wade Miley uh, got the win to go uh, to 3-1 and one at this point. Uh, what do you make of uh, the job some of these other guys have done? I mean, Hauser now is back, uh, got a, a start in the rotation. Lauer, I feel like, doesn't look maybe as good as, as he looked at, at points last year as well. Miley's been unbelievable, so I, I don't see anybody criticizing Miley. But uh, Lauer and Hauser, I guess, would be my, my next two pitchers. I, I'd like to get your thoughts on. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Where would this team be without Wade Miley? Right. He's been fantastic. I mean, he's such a he's such you know, like just fun to watch because every hitter walks up there going, "I'm supposed to hit this guy. He's not throwing 90, so I'm you know he's only throwing 90 miles an hour. I'm supposed to hit this guy." And, you know, they walk up there going, if I don't, then something's wrong. And he's absolutely dominating, capitalizing on their aggression. But I thought Hauser did a fantastic job. He does what he does. He got ground balls early. As soon as hitters realized that they didn't want to hit the ball on the ground anymore, they tried to hit it in the air. And what do they do? They pop up. So he, all the hits he gave up, all singles, did have five strikeouts, which is, you know, he's not a strikeout guy, but he struck out four of those guys looking. And that tells me as a pitcher that his sequences are fantastic. You know, when you get a guy, if you're not throwing, he was throwing 95, but if you're not throwing, you know, upper 90s, then it means that you're making the ball move and you're setting hitters up. I mean, that's just, he was throwing inside on lefties and letting it come back over the dish with a sinker. So his stuff was good and he was using it correctly at the right times. That tells me his game plan worked. Now, the only reason he went four and two thirds is he was a victim of not only maybe pitch count, but at the same time, the Brewers were on a skid. They needed a win and they had a lead. So they were like, let's use everybody we have in the bullpen to make sure we win. If that would have been any other day, especially on the road trip, he probably would have gotten at least five, possibly six. Um, and Lauer, I think, has just been been bit by the bug at times. Like he gave up four runs the other day, zero were earned. Like he just he's waiting to catch his break. That's all. Um, and then I would say Colin Ray has done a pretty fantastic job just because he's gone at least five innings every time out, uh, and they got his first quality start the other day. Brewers on the road trip, the five losses they had, four of those were quality starts. So I think all the way around, the starting pitching um, has been doing its job. And you know what? I, I'm sure they can't wait, too, also to get uh, Brandon Woodruff back. Uh, yeah, that would be huge. We're talking, what, end of June or somewhere in that area, possibly, for Brandon Woodruff. So we'll see uh, how that goes. So they wrap up with the Dodgers here at home. Then it's Kansas City in town. They've been awful. Uh, and then you go to St. Louis after that for three games. So really, uh, Casey and St. Louis, neither one of those two teams playing well. St. Louis, I think, is one of the bigger surprises of the baseball season of how bad they've been. And then it gets tougher. Then it's at Tampa. Then you got to come home and play Houston. So things get a little tougher. But speaking of the Cardinals, I, I am dying to know, how bad do you have to be uh, as a starting catcher to not want to be used as a catcher anymore by your team? Because they paid Wilson Contreras a lot of money in St. Louis, uh, and now apparently he's going to be a DH uh, and an outfielder. And 
I realize he wasn't known for his great defense or game calling in Chicago with the Cubs, but surely you all, everybody thought the Cardinals were well aware of what they were getting when they gave him that crazy money. Uh, and now they're just screwing things up even more by moving him to DH in the outfield. Yeah, I, you know, everybody was saying, okay, he's going to be who fills in for Molina. Good luck. Yeah, there's Good no luck. replacement not, for him. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So the bar is already set incredibly high, and then you pay the, that amount of money, and it's like the bar even goes higher, and then you expect the same results that Molina has spent a lifetime and a career uh, putting together of, of how to you know navigate pitching in the big leagues. And he, he has the reputation for not being just a guy that can – you know, figure it out, especially during the game. You know, I guess the reputation is during the game, he blows a gasket, he gets mad, you know, strikes out, snaps an iPad, whatever that looks like. And honestly, I want, if I'm a pitcher, I want two people on that field to stay calm. That only need two people. I need the pitching coach to stay calm, and I need my catcher to stay calm. Right. And that's it. Every, they have to stay level-headed. Everyone else can freak out, don't care. Uh, but as a pitcher, you need that catcher to be focused probably more on you than anything else. That's why it's such a tough position. Uh, and you don't always see guys batting, you know, huge for average because it's such a demanding role mentally uh, and in with your time, too, physically, because you have to put in all these other facets and works and meetings. And anyway, I, I don't know what the deal is there, you know, with what's going on. But it just it, to me, it emphasizes how big of a role uh Yadier Molina played in that organization and just look at it across the board in the big leagues and how important the role of a good catcher that, you know, can communicate and do the job. Like that's, that's a big deal. If anything, pitchers should go and see this, you know, these headlines and stuff, they should go and hug their catcher because there's nothing like a good catcher. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I was texting with a huge Cardinals fan over the weekend when this news came out and I was like, you know, maybe Yadi Molina should be the manager. Maybe that's the next move. Maybe they should make him in charge of day-to-day operations, let him pick his pitching coach, and go for there. Because we all talk about how great that pitching staff was, but I got a feeling a lot of that had to do with Yadi Molina calling games uh, and helping those pitchers out. Well, it's putting together a game plan and how to maximize your stuff. And then when, the, when everything goes wrong, you get punched in the face and your plan goes sideways, then, then what do you do? And Molina just had such a feel for it. And I got the most out of his pitchers. I feel like some of the best catchers I had just got the most out of me, whether it was they, you know, let me know when I need to challenge a guy or when I need to stay away from a guy. You just have that inner voice that kind of just speaks to you uh, in the moments when you need it the most. And I don't know. I, I feel like you look at the pitching staff and as a whole for the Cardinals, they're underperforming going back to years past and, you know, it probably only takes Adam Wainwright to be like, I'm not pitching to this guy. Right. And for everything to go, you know, in an uproar. And honestly, if you're trying to leave a legacy on this game and you're trying to, you know, do the best you can and you don't think that's the person that needs to be behind the dish for you and you have that much clout of 20 years, then, yeah, you don't have to pitch to that guy. Nobody, nobody can make me, you know, and I don't know. I just – what a tough situation. But hopefully that they're still having, you know, problems when the Brewers come in and hopefully they can win some games. 
Yeah, that would that would be good. Follow Tim Dillard uh, on Twitter at Dim Tillard. Of course, Brewers Unfiltered. Uh, they record every Tuesday. It's out usually by Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. You can download it on your Odyssey app uh, or over there at Brewers.com and give it a listen. Always good. Him, Adam McKelvey, uh, and Sophia Minter. Tim, thanks so much for coming on. Of course, you're presented by Fourth Base uh, Restaurant, the iconic uh, restaurant bar that was featured in the movie Major League. And uh, Tim Dillard is a frequent flyer over there at Fourth base restaurant or so i've heard so i've heard yeah yeah i'm i'm pretty much over there at least once a week when i'm in town working so uh it's a staple got to go up there and see my people and talk to them and see what's going on in their lives but at the same time grab some drinks and some great food so yep i'll be up there food is so good uh thank you so much tim dillard we will talk again next week my friend thank you all right thank you sparky Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.